You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies that actors were. Better shake the booties for Black Girl Nerds. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host along with Ryan. In this two-part episode, we are excited to bring to you two fantastic guests. Our first guest up is actor Katie O'Brien. You may know her from films such as Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, as well as sci-fi show Z Nation, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., or this little show on Disney Plus called The Mandalorian, where she plays the officer, Elia Kane. She also plays Gentora, as I mentioned before, in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which, by the way, is now available on digital and arrives on 4K Ultra HD, Blu-ray, and DVD on May 16th. So we're excited to bring to you Katie to talk about her role in both Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, as well as The Mandalorian. And that segment is hosted by yours truly. In our second segment, we welcome actor Jay Lycurgo. Fresh out of drama school, Jay was cast in a supporting role in Matt Reeves' upcoming blockbuster feature, The Batman. He currently can be seen as the role of Tim Drake, aka Robin, in the HBO Max series Titans, where he quickly became a fan favorite and the first person of color to play the character. Jay was also recently seen as Marcus in the BAFTA-nominated film Anthony by Jimmy McGovern in a supporting role in the series. Currently, he can be seen as the lead in Joe Barton's upcoming fantasy series, Half Bad for Netflix. Based on the novels by Sally Green, Jay will portray Nathan, the 16-year-old illegitimate son of a witch who is monitored for most of his life due to fears he may follow the same destructive path as his father. The eight-part series will see Nathan flirt with the line between good and bad to find out who he really is. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this two-part episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast with actors Katie O'Brien and Jay Lycurgo. I'm great. How are you? Good, good. I feel like you're in all of my favorite things. Nice. (laughs) I love your ears, by the way. They look like they're like flashing or something. Yeah, they are. They're little flashing lights. I use it to stream. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, you're you're in all of my favorite things. You're you're in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which we're talking about today. You're in The Mandalorian. You've been in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Black Lightning. Like you, I feel like you're having probably the time of your life to playing these roles. Would that be safe to say? Yeah, yeah. There's nothing better than a comic book character. So it's, <laughs> it's a lot of fun, yeah. So you've gone from playing a heroic resistance leader in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania to being a spy for the Empire and the Mandalorian. (laughs) So which role for you has been the most compelling for you as a performer? 
Ooh, um, gosh, they, because they're so different, it's it's hard to pick. I mean, I really, really love what Gentora stands for. And I obviously love doing all the fight scenes and, and um, my crew that I got to work with and everything. Um, so, you know, there's a sense of having like a, a really big family behind you. And it, it's just, it's a really, I, it, there's a lot of passion there, I guess. But I got to say, I mean, being someone as duplicitous and like underhanded and, and conniving as Aliyah Kane is a lot of fun because I don't do that in my real life <laughs> at all. <laughs> so it's fun to get to do it without real repercussions, I guess. <laughs> I feel like it's always kind of fun to play like a villain. Um, so that that's also probably pretty cool. I Speaking of Aliyah as well as Gentora, I feel like they do have similar motives in the fact that they are sort of fighting for a greater cause, even though their motives have, there's this duality between good and, and not so good. <laughs> so would you say that there are similarities between these two characters? I think you can find common ground with just about anybody. And and I do think, you know, there might be a little bit more to Eliakim than, than meets the eye, or at least I hope. Um, because yeah, I mean, it's when you're dealing with these large universes in the quantum realm, there's obviously multiple different groups of people that now have to kind of bound together and learn how to live together and work together and survive together. And, you know, in the star Wars universe, it's kind of the same get planet after planet. You can just planet hop. I mean, it's, it's wild. So, um, trying to find the best way for you to survive in that uh in that world is is kind of I think what both of these characters are doing I had heard in an interview that you once pursued a career as a police officer is that mm -hmm. accurate okay because you've got a bit of a knack for playing police officers yeah. <laughs> from like the Mandalorian we've seen you as an officer Black Lightning you were an officer the rookie you were an officer so is that a coincidence or do you feel comfortable in these roles? How how is that sort of those parallels worked with you? I think some of the times, you know, it's they see that on the resume and, you know, physically I fit the type and and that's what I get brought in for. Um, because, you know, when it comes down to it, I I want to play a mom one day. But like, <laughs> do I look, you know, a lot of people look at me and they're not like instantly like mom, right? Um, so I think part of it is is just, yeah, a little bit of typecasting and um and yeah, I mean, when you have the real life experience, obviously you're going to bring different, um, uh, kind of a different knowledge to set, you know, like on, on the rookie, for instance, we're doing a scene where we're working a armed robbery or something or a potential armed robbery. And we open our doors and, um, uh, the guy I was working with, he just slams his door and I'm like, whoa, 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 we would gently shut our door so we wouldn't let everyone know we're here. Right. So it's these like little details that, you know, an actor who's never been in that situation wouldn't know. Um, but someone who has you know, picked through military experience or any kind of tactical experience would. And I think, you know, there's a big, uh, there's a, a background company that um, is geared more towards uh, helping military personnel kind of get into the world of acting and everything. And they use them very frequently because they will look real on screen. 
Gentora, going back to your role in Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania, she is a canon character from the Marvel Comics universe. Did you read up on her lore at all before prepping for the role? And now that you've played her, have you tried to learn more about her character? Yes, yeah, so she was in she's in so few issues. And I did try to find um some of the uh like I was, I was like link surfing online trying to find anything that I could get like access to right away. But um when I spoke to Peyton, he basically like just kind of it's not all where we're going with this character. Um and there was a lot of me that was grateful for that because she was green and that's extra time in the makeup chair and she's blonde. And I I'm telling you right now, I do not look good as a blonde. Um, and she was kind of this, like, she kind of <laughs> was a bit of a screw up. I mean, she screwed up the, her, her world, um, by, by bringing the wrong Hulk there, you know? Um, so I was like, oh yeah, I, I'm kind of glad that we kind of altered her and made her, uh, kind of a little more redeemable, I guess. Yeah. I watched an interview that you did where you mentioned that when you first broke into acting, um, you found it hard to find, you know, people that looked like you, that represented and reflect you. Um, how has the landscape changed since when you first started in this business versus where you are now? And do you feel like the opportunities are getting better or do we still have a long ways to go? I think we still have a long ways to go, but there has been improvement for sure. I mean, when you look at just a few years ago I mean I, I remember watching the Ellen show when she came out and she was not able to find work for a very long time after that so the fact that I'm even able to come on to a screen and be me and authentically me is is a huge win um but you know in terms of like uh, I often audition for like a queer role or um a gay character and it, whenever I see who winds up booking that it's always a very feminine um you know, less like androgynous looking person. And uh, what I do see myself reflected in more often is like a very stereotypical um, kind of hyper character uh, actor. So like someone who's just being like super butch, um, almost over overwhelmingly so, or like, yeah, a caricature of of what reality is. Um, so I, I do think that there's, there's quite a ways to go. And um, yeah, I think a lot of that is just about uh, having more people be present on screen and and having writers that uh, and directors and producers that that understand um, these worlds that they're actually trying to write um, and trying to create and making it more representative. When we see yeah. that. Yeah, having people behind the scenes is just as important and imperative than um, as well as in front of the camera. What what kind of role would you be interested in next? I mean, obviously you are in some of the best shows and movie franchises that are out there right now, and you're in a lot of genre projects. Um, but what kind of like movie roles or characters would you be interested in playing next? Well, I did finally get to do um, this really beautiful independent project with Kristen Stewart and um, it's kind of like a romantic thriller. And a lot of these have really just been checking my creative boxes as I've, I've gone along, but I would love to do a rom-com. I would love to do uh, um, the total opposite end of the spectrum, something like a man psycho that's just very, uh, just a, a completely chaotic person or, or really, uh, 
psychologically stimulating um, role like that. But I, I tend to like roles that are like traditionally reserved for men um, and kind of bring a, a new twist to them. But don't feel like they should get all the cool stories. I'm here for a female serial killer movie. Let's make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, Katie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to Black Girl Nerds. It was a pleasure speaking with you. I love seeing you in all of these really cool genre films and TV shows and keep doing it, girl, because th this is, I, I can tell you're having the time of your life with these shows and these movie projects. So keep at it. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for your time. <laughs> thank you. Hey, Jay, how you doing? Hey, good. How you doing? Thank you for talking with me. I'm excited to talk to you. This <laughs> season is bananas. You bossing up in this season. I love it. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. It's um, it's really insane. I, I have to say right now, I'm in the middle of a thunderstorm in Sri Lanka. So oh, guys crazy, it just man, stopped man. raining here like a couple hours ago. It just like the sun really? is out now, but it was literally like the the rain and everything has been crazy. I don't know what we're doing to the environment, but something's off. No, I'm in, in Charlotte. I'm in North Carolina. So I'm on the oh. East Coast. But okay. it's like, it's crazy. The weather has been nuts. So I don't know what's going on. But yeah, it just stopped I mean, raining. It was like raining two days straight. Have you ever been in England? I have not. I have not. It's it's raining all the time. <laughs> so, so how do you keep up? Because you're so upbeat. You look so upbeat and happy right now. How are you keeping this up? Because the rain makes me sleepy. Hey, you know what? When I'm talking to people that love what I love, I mean, you can't help but smile. You know, this is, you know, I love what I, I, I love what I get to do. And that's, yeah, I love to talk about it. So. <laughs> but you know what let's go back a little bit for listeners that don't know because I kind of feel like you foreshadowed that you were going to be in Titans because you've been like fighting for the streets of Gotham from like back like way back like we're talking about like Batman days like you were in a gang for the street of Gotham can you talk mm -hmm. about like where you go from that to getting into like Tim Drake like give us a little bit of the story well I mean if if you look at my career I I remember i so I did a year of acting. I just graduated from drama school. I was just doing guest star roles in England. And it was just another tape, really, when I did the Batman uh, audition. And it was a dummy tape. Uh, it, was, it was a dummy uh, script. So it was something, oh, what was it? It was from uh, Sicario, actually. Um, oh. I didn't. I didn't really know much about, I didn't know. I, I knew it was Batman, but I didn't know what the character was going to be. So it really was just another tape. And I remember I was doing another project um, for the BBC and I was like, okay, cool. Let's get this done. Let's make some good choices. And that's how a lot of the time it happens with tapes. It's like, okay, cool. Um, something always tries to get in the way when you're trying to do a tape, by the way, but you're just like, okay, <laughs> let's just do it. And uh, let's see what happens. And yeah, one thing to, led to another. And, you know, Matt Reeves is asking for photos of me. And before you know it, I'm in rehearsals for for weeks um, playing uh, the gang member at the beginning of Batman. And it was a very surreal moment because I'd really just started acting. Um, but looking back now, I mean, we're talking like two years ago now. Um, but it was a really incredible moment for me. And uh, getting it was very, I didn't believe it. I kept on saying to my agent, like, 
are, are you sure that they want to give me this part? <laughs> and then and then you fast forward, I'm doing season four of Titans and I'm watching it in the cinema. And um, it was just insane because, you know, then you're also playing Tim Drake. And that it wasn't on purpose. It just wasn't. It was um, Greg. Funny enough, the showrunner, Greg Walker, didn't even know that I was in Batman. Um, and oh. so I've been cast <laughs> a year later. And um, yeah, I mean, it was just crazy. Like looking back, it was just I wasn't I, I don't know how prepared I really was because obviously it was COVID. And then I went moved to Toronto for six months uh, playing Tim Drake and then then getting told that you're going to come back for season four because I didn't really know if that was going to happen. And then being told by LJ, who does super suits, that I'm then going to um, wear the the super suit uh, of Robin. I mean, it was just, um, everything was very surreal. And I look back at it now, really, in this thunderstorm in Sri Lanka, to thinking, wow, okay, that went really fast. <laughs> it did. That's that's insane. But you know, what's your favorite thing about Tim? Or what the, what's the feedback you've been receiving? Because what I like is he's like, he's such a fan of heroes. And they keep mm. trying to say like, you know, you don't have a way to protect yourself right now. You don't have superpowers. Why don't you just stay over here? You know, you can't really be part of the Titans right now. And I think that was one of the things that drew me to the character was that he was such a fan of heroes and he was determined that he was yeah. going to be a part of this team and, and make a difference. Like, what's the feedback have you been receiving, you know, since jumping in this role? Because it was like the second season where you were introduced and we didn't really know too much about it. Yeah, I mean, the feedback has been incredible. Like, you know, I've been very fortunate that people are very supportive um, on Tim. You know, season three, I feel like there was a lot more darkness I mean obviously going to Gotham of course there's going to be um mm -hmm. but I remember just doing a lot of the scenes with Tim Drake around based around his family and doing the episode Souls where obviously he dies and he's in the afterlife with Connor Leslie and mm -hmm. uh, with Hank and those moments for me they were just very dark I remember prepping them and he just he was so lost in season three looking back um even to the moment where he gets to punch Scarecrow, he still doesn't, still hasn't really touched even a little bit of the potential that he's going to hit. So I think season four is nice because it's very light for him in the first part. And um, I enjoyed that. I loved that. It was a very fun to play comedy with Tim. And um, the thing that I felt a lot of the time was just the frustration of being Tim Drake, though, in season four, because... Obviously, in season three, he's so close and he shows moments. But obviously to Connor Leslie, to Wonder Girl, that's no longer there. So then he has to prove it all <laughs> over again with, with yeah. Dick. And um, I enjoyed the second part because even though he had his relationship that he was trying to deal with, he never really uh, lost touch of what his main goal was. And he's really just trying to get Bernard on side. Um but after that, it's just been really incredible to see his his evolution. And um, I mean, I, I love it. I really do. Because even with the bow staff, it's like from episode one, I had no idea how to use that thing. Like, honestly, I didn't. And um, I remember talking to the stunt team about it and they were showing me the moves of it. And I was like, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? You know, there's always that moment where you're like, I've got to be 
Robin, right? And so, but what's the incredible thing is, is that Tim is feeling that exact same feeling. And yeah. that's, it, I love those moments where it's like, this is exactly how Tim is feeling. So when it gets to the end of the season, I mean, are you, have you been able to watch the last episode? I have, I have like, we're up to episode 10, what they released. I don't know if you guys have a couple more of how the whole season is oh, supposed okay, to play cool. out, but I'm up so, to 10. I'm up to 10. I won't, I won't ruin it for you then. Um, but um, I just think it's But yeah, I was definitely going to ask you about the fighting with the staff because it's so tricked out and cool. I was definitely going to ask you about that, well, yeah. Well, you've seen, you've seen little moments of it, I guess. But um, I, I guess the main thing with the bow staff is that everything was very natural. So by the time that it gets to... You know, you've seen the trailer and stuff, so I'm obviously mm-hmm. in the suit. By the time that gets to that moment, I really know how to use <laughs> that stuff. And I felt like, you know what, this is the moment that I get to be a superhero and I'm going to prove to the whole team and to to everyone, really, that I'm, I'm going to be the best Robin. And to the next point, I think that's the incredible thing. The essence of Tim is his purity in wanting to be a hero rather than these these dark moments of what he feels like he needs to be violent, where it's with Jason Todd or like with Dick, where he just has a really messed up past. It's always came from a very pure standpoint of Tim just wanting to save people and help people. And that was the most... Um, the loveliest thing about him. And he was so, you look so cool in the suit, by the way. Like, I love how they dropped that. Like, before we even got the second half of the season, they were like, oh, why don't we just drop this little nugget of this of this photo out to kind of see you in the Robin suit. I know, and I was like the first person of color in this Robin suit. And I was like, oh, this is, this is like, this is dope. And then like, to be able to see you kind of fully be able to be in the hero, because you feel for Tim. You're like, they're always trying to put him in the back seat. He has like talents and secrets too that we don't know about. So to be able to see you to get into yeah. that suit, did it, was it like this? What were some of the challenges of getting into the suit, fitting into the suit? Did you have that like invincible feeling when you first got to put it on for the first time? Oh yeah. I mean, it made me three feet three feet three three inches taller so I (laughs) felt really good with that honestly it's true though because there is like a platform in those boots that you feel like you have to be stood up straight and 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 with the suit because it's so perfectly matched to your body I mean we had non-stop fittings for two months so everything had to be perfect and that's a testament to LJ and the entire super suit team because they really wanted me to feel comfortable in it as much as it is insanely <laughs> sweaty in there um it is it makes you feel very powerful and especially when you're doing those fights it's um oh it's it's amazing it's really like when you're a kid and you put on your your favorite yeah, your favorite superhero costume. And you're like, oh my God, it's that. But it just costs about, you know, 50 grand more. (laughs) I love it. I love it. What about the, can you talk a little bit about the tech side too, that I think Tim kind of offers because they're getting some sticky moments, like tracking down the son of Trigon and they need a little extra help here. I love how it's falling to Tim because everybody sometimes they're trapped in another dimension and, you know, not to give away too much for people who haven't watched all 10 episodes, mm-hmm. but they need somebody that's like, you know, they feel like the person that's kind of like hidden behind the scenes right now, because where we have gotten, you haven't quite put on the suit yet, you know, from what mm-hmm. we've seen. 
So he kind of gets the layback. He doesn't really know what's going on. Sometimes they might travel to another dimension. It's like, well, Tim is just going to play here on the keyboard a little bit and kind of figure this out and see if he can kind of get into the systems. Was that something that you kind of researched as far as like, um, I guess maybe IT in a way, kind of like, you know, decrypting things? Because I thought there were some of those kind of cool moments where Tim gets to shine as well. Oh, 100%. I mean, I love those moments and I wanted to own those moments because the thing is, is that, the thing is, is that um, Tim is so much smarter than me. Um, he uses <laughs> so many more syllables than me. Uh, so a lot of the time it was just um, being in my room, just trying to search up a word and be like, oh, this is what this means. Um, but yeah, I mean, like it, it was incredible. I mean, obviously Superboy used to do all that. And then he goes off to do his own thing. So those those moments, I mean, like I I felt for Tim because I remember. So when he's talking about Gematria, and I think that's uh -huh. in episode seven. Yeah. And um, I remember just like drilling those lines in, and I remember doing that scene in as Jay in front of the actors, and feeling actually very overwhelmed by the task of having to explain this, but. At the same time, I knew that's probably what Tim was feeling, but he knew that this moment is to prove to all the Titans that, hey, I'm I'm very smart, by the way, and I can right. do this. Um, so every moment was like that. And um, you'll get to see in the future as well, like in, in future episodes, that what's really incredible is like with with the writing in, in 11, 12, you get to see that intelligence more with Tim. And... Um, I enjoyed every moment of it because for a moment I felt very smart. So it was, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say I love that flex for him where he's like, oh yes, I got the answer. But one thing here before before we wrap, I have to talk, I have to switch gears real quick and touch on this. Netflix, mm -hmm. half bad, playing Nathan, oh. such a cool character for you, right? To play that middle line of good and evil. And I'm so, I'm so curious. Like, what did you take first season out for everybody listening? Go check it out. So cool. What do you remember from that experience? What are, what do you keep with you? What are you taking from you to be able to play a role that's not good, it's not evil? Hmm. Well, the thing is, is it's it's everything really. It's it's always a, it was always like an identity crisis because with Nathan, he always feels like the victim, and I just wanted to make sure that he wasn't. And I think what was so amazing about Joe Barton, who wrote it is what he always was able to keep it light. And that was a mm -hmm. great defense in Nathan that he was able to find the comedy in the darkest moments. And I think that's why that show is so fun because even though you see this, this, this boy, this young boy really getting abused from a lot of different angles, he was always able to find the lightness in it. And that was his essence. So it was never really a question of if he's evil it was just like, why is everyone getting on me? I have to prove to them that I am not, um, I am not this person. And really, he. But then also, there's the other side that he does just want to get accepted because he knows his dad Marcus is still out there. So I think it's also this whole thing about him wanting to find um, where he can be accepted, also, but then able to find the lightness in every situation and. Obviously, having Gabrielle and Annalise there, it was just he had people that he could relate to and also showed him love. So it kept him um, level. 
But I really love that you spoke about it because I love that show. I absolutely adore it and I always will. So, you know. Listen, I want to get, I'm a fan and I want to give some people the stuff to hold on to because, you know, in the superhero world, we could see Robin again. So you never say, you know, the season four is a wrap, the end of it. But, you know, just in case you need something to add to your watch list in the meantime, <laughs> you know, I wanted yeah. to give them that. But, you know, I'm such a fan. I love watching your characters. They're so mysterious where you don't know where they're going to turn out. And this has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. It's been amazing. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audio Boom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.